Welcome to the City Beautiful Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join our family as we strive to live together in heavenly reality. For more great content, visit us online at citybeautiful.ch. Dearly beloved, We have gathered today to commemorate the life of our church in this building, 1220 Alden Road. Again, I apologize to anyone, this is your first time. (laughs) You've probably never been to a funeral for a building. Um, And this building has never actually hosted a funeral, so we're we're in new territory. Um, But today we are commemorating uh, the, the five and a half years Uh, that our church community uh, has been present at 1220 Alden. Um, Some of you have been with us since the beginning. Some of you uh, are rather new to the community. Um, But regardless, you've been affected by this building, whether you realize it or not. Um, This church began about 10 years ago as a plant. And uh, like many of you, you maybe kind of jumped from one friend's couch to the next as you're trying to figure yourself out and discover who you are. And then your roommate was nice enough to let you come and to uh, crash on their couch for a good year. That was Sat Comedy Club. And that was a wonderful time for us. But we knew we needed a place um, that we could call our own to move out of that kind of nomadic, adventurous, not knowing where we're going to be from week to week season to finding a place that we could really lay down roots to move beyond just being a Sunday to Sunday thing and actually become part of the life of the community from day to day um, and week to week. And we've been blessed with this place for five and a half years. And you know, one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot as I've reflected on our time here is yes, it is true that the building is not the church, that the people are the church. You are the church, you are the temple of the Almighty, but A building has a heck of a lot to do with how we see ourselves. Our space shapes our culture. Our environment gives us this this place where we connect with God and where we connect with one another. And this building for five and a half years has cradled new birth within our community, has reinforced some of our culture, has changed some of our culture. It's affected us. And it's important as we prepare to move into this next chapter of our church that we pause to reflect, to remember what this place has meant to us. Because we need to learn how to leave well so that we can cleave well into the next season. I want to read a passage of scripture. This is from Ecclesiastes chapter 3. If you want to get real sad, you go to Ecclesiastes. And then maybe Lamentations in about half the Psalms. As we reflected last week, Psalm 126, where it says, those who sow tears of mourning will reap a harvest of joy. And I told you, I do not like this psalm. Lydia, I probably like less than half the psalms we do, depending on what's going on in my life at that moment. But this is Ecclesiastes chapter three, verses one to 11. The teacher says to us, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born, and a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to uproot, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to tear down, and a time to build, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, 
a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He's also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I love that last line. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Friends, if you think that you have the five-year plan, (laughs) watch out. So often we think in church that vision is that we've got this big plan and we're going to these places and this is how it's going to look and we're going to build this thing and we're going to have you know, all these measurable amounts of success at these certain points. But I have come to realize over the eight years that I've had the opportunity and the honor to steward this community that vision is about attaining to the presence of God here now and allowing him to lead us wherever he might take us. Because just like the ancient Israelites, it's often our thinking that we want to get ahead of the plot. We want God to give us the vision. What's it going to look like? What's it going to be? What can we expect? What are the boundaries? And he says, I'm with you. And we say, okay, that's great. Thank you. Anyway, what's the plan? What's it going to look like? Like, where can we expect it? What are the boundaries? What do I need to pack? And he says, I am with you, Emmanuel. And so much of the spiritual journey is letting go of our need to control, letting go of our plans, letting go of our aspirations, allowing ourselves to sink into the present moment and to trust Emmanuel, God, with us. And so today, friends, we want to explore and embrace the two halves of life that Ecclesiasticus leaves us with here, that we are to leave well so that we can cleave well. And I think it's one of the great paradoxes of the faith journey that we are to hold those things in a creative tension that invites us to let go a little bit more and to allow God to do work within us that we find in these ancient scriptures the call to mourn so that we might embrace joy, the call to let go so that we might finally take up something else. And has there ever been a more important time in history in a culture like ours, in a country like ours? It's always manifest destiny. It's always have more plans. It's always onwards and upwards. Don't slow down. Don't reflect. Let's just always put the spin on it that makes it sound positive. And we're crying out inside because we do not have those spaces to slow down, to mourn, to grieve, to feel. If there is anything that we take away from this year with the pandemic, with isolation, with the the magnificent disappointment that so many of us contend with in life, it's God saying to us, will you now slow down and let go and come to me? 
It's so easy for us to be tight-fisted with our plans. But to embrace and explore those two halves today, what we're going to do is one part grieve and one part celebrate. In Irish culture and in many other cultures, there's an a deep ancient understanding of these two halves of life, that we have the funeral, which is the grieving and the mourning of the loss, but we also have the wake, which is the celebration, which is the place of joy as discipline, that we choose into these two halves of life and allow them to lead us places that maybe our hearts wouldn't go on our own. Some of you are all too well acquainted with suffering and loss and grieving. And it is truly a discipline to perceive joy. And some of you are on the other half of life. You want to always find, you want to be optimistic. You think that that's what you're called to do and you never slow down to feel the pain, the loss. And that's what today gets to be for us, an opportunity to hold these two things in creative tension, to allow God to lead us places that maybe we wouldn't go on our own. So we're going to begin with a time of grieving, because sometimes dreams need to die in order for us to dream new ones with God. Are we preaching yet? Yes. Let me read that again. Sometimes dreams need to die in order for us to dream new ones with God. Some of us are holding on to things that we've been holding on to for a very long time. And we're so sure that that's what God was calling us to, or that was the thing that he had promised us. And those old dreams become the barrier. We're so tight-fisted with it, we're not able to receive the new thing that God brings to us and open ourselves up to the potential that maybe God is actually better than we thought five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, whatever your story with him might be. Some of us are so caught up in the shoulds of life, how things were supposed to be, how they should have been at this moment, because we had the plan, because we've been told the stories, because we've been given the timelines and the expectations, and we miss what God might be doing right in front of us because we're holding on, we're so bitter, and we're so angry because our life does not look the way that it should, because we're trying to live somebody else's narrative because we're, re we're living some other American story. And we close ourselves off to the possibility of what, might be God, what God might be doing here because we're either so caught up in this future should that we lose the present moment, or we're so bound to the past and what we thought things were going to be like that we cannot be present with him today. I know over the years, there have been times where I wanted to walk away because this thing didn't look the way that I thought it was supposed to. I remember probably four years ago being in my backyard on Crystal Lake, some of you remember that house, calling my friend and yelling expletives at him that I did not leave my friends in Nashville for this because I had vision. I had expectations. But as Father Richard Rohr tells us, expectations are premeditated disappointments. Right? And sometimes we need to learn how to let those things go, even if that means that we're shaking our fists at heaven in order to get it out so that we can be in the moment and say, okay, Lord, here, I think this year, my goodness, have we not learned what disappointment truly means to us? And to not diminish that, but to say that is a very key human experience, disappointment. 
But how do we contend with that? So what we're going to do is I want, I'm going to give you a significant amount of time to reflect. When you came in, you see in your chair maybe that there was a um, piece of paper uh, and a pen. And I'm going to give you some time to just pause and reflect. What sadness are you carrying from the time that we've been in this space? When you walk in here, what are the ghosts maybe that are still lurking in the corners? Feelings of abandonment, disappointment, regret. Things that maybe you still feel uneasy about being in this place. The question I want you to take significant time with the Lord to answer is, where am I holding on to hurt and disappointment in the church? And if this isn't your home church, you've got ghosts. You've got things in your past when it comes to the people of God that you need to contend with. I think this is probably actually the primary reason that people leave the church is unresolved disappointments. And I think what you might come to realize is that as we begin to grieve one disappointment, my spiritual father who we lost this year of Dan would always say, the rocks begin to float. And as that one thing comes up, as we begin to grieve that one piece, all of a sudden it gives us permission to another and another. And all of these things that have been so stopped up within us that have led us to bitterness and unforgiveness begin to rise to the top. And then the Lord says, now we can do some business. So I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna give you four minutes to process that. Heavenly Father, whenever we come in here, this place is rife with ghosts, unresolved disappointments, regrets, shame, fear, guilt. For some of us, this isn't the way that things were supposed to be. It's not the way they should be. Holy Spirit, I pray that even now in this moment, you would alight upon your dear ones here. Give us permission to dig down deep and to unearth the things that we need to grieve so that we can leave them behind in this building and enter into the next chapter wholehearted. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus.
Jesus came to invite us to a life more abundant. And a lot of times we think a life more abundant means bigger, better, stronger, more productive. I think it's a Daft Punk song. What I've come to realize is that life more abundant means life matters more, which means the highs are even higher and the lows are even lower because we've got skin in the game, because our hearts of stone have been turned into hearts of flesh by Jesus. And that means to be a Christian is to feel deeply. I have shed a lot of tears this week, a lot of tears. Some of you know why, and we'll not go into details. And I thought when I was a kid, I thought getting older meant somehow you're in control, right? Like you just kind of knew how life works a little bit better. You learned how an internal combustion engine worked, you know, you knew how to change your own oil. You thought you could understand your emotions a little bit more. But I found the longer that I follow Jesus, I get softer, I get squishier, things matter more. But also coming to realize that it's only until we mourn and we grieve the darkness of life that we can actually embrace true, genuine joy and we leave behind all this BS about just trying to be happy. We stop selling ourselves out for the lesser prizes and we begin to live a life more abundant. And we become free. We become truly, genuinely free to be human in the way that Jesus was. Did Jesus not approach the tomb of Lazarus and weep because he lived an abundant life? Because Jesus didn't theologize away all the stuff, all the pain. He didn't minimize it and say, oh, it doesn't really matter. He didn't rationalize it and say, well, here's the steps. This is how we're gonna get out of it. He felt fully. And so even as we claim that funerary place to create spaces to mourn and to grieve and to feel the darkness of life, it sets us up and gives us permission to enter into the lightness of life. Because remembering and celebrating what God has done in the past gives us courage for the next chapter. And it is just important, friends, as the church that we're creating spaces for ourselves to grieve and to feel as we are entering into the discipline of remembrance and celebration. You see, I always thought celebration has to be something that comes spontaneously and naturally. Again, because of this cult of spontaneity that we live in with our culture that we just celebrate when we feel like it because we're chasing happiness. But to recognize that sometimes it's actually a discipline. Sometimes it's actually a discipline to come into this space and to sing these songs and go, I don't feel that today. I don't feel the goodness of God. I don't feel like his child. I don't feel in love, you know? All these different things, it's a discipline to say, I'm still here. In Job, in the beginning of that epic poem about what do we do with the suffering of life, Job says, the good Lord gives and he takes away. Blessed is the name of the Lord. 
And so many look at us and think that we're delusioned because we continue to praise God in the midst of the pain and the trial. But I think that's some elevated human living right there. That's some next level humanity to fully feel the depths of life, to feel the heights of it and to still praise God in the midst of it. This building has shaped us. in ways that we, maybe some of them we expected. We loved having a space that we could move everything around. We could set up like this, you know, like we can get it dark when we go to worship and we always love that, you know. We've got these prayer rooms and we can do these things and sometimes you come in, there's things flying over your heads or whatever it might be. Like this building has shaped us. But not only is it the experiences and the events and the Sunday gatherings It shaped us because we've met one another, because we believe that God has bound us together as his people. Friendships have been birthed in this place, romances, marriages, children. There's been a lot of relational conflict in this room. I know, I see you. I've sat with you in this room during the the week and we've worked through some things. But I think a discipline of celebration in our lives It builds an emotional resilience within us, a resoluteness to our faith to say, even in the midst of the storm, God is still good, especially when I don't feel it. And a discipline of celebration grounds us in God's truth. It's always, it doesn't diminish the pain of our lives. It doesn't take it away, even though so many have told us that's what it's going to do. Just praise a little harder, read a little bit more Bible, pray a little bit more, and the feelings will go away. No, that is not Christian. But what happens is that the the discipline of celebration and remembrance recontextualizes all of our pain. It puts it into a different story so that we can open up a little bit more and allow God to do something within it. And so we remember some of the gatherings that we've had in this space. We remember some of the events that we've had, but we also remember the people that have been here. We remember the connections that have been made and we choose to celebrate that. So what we're gonna do, there's two microphones right here and I'm gonna open it up for you to come forth and to give testimony. What has God done for you in this space? That the building, in some ways, yes, it's just a building, it's not the church, but it has been our cradle. It's been our home, it's mattered. And the things that God has been able to, to, to do within this space are extraordinary. And we all need to hear each other's stories in order to enter into that next chapter. So I wanna open this up right now for anybody. And we'll just pretend like the first person's already went. We're like, whoa, that was so good, amen. (laughs) All right, this is how we usually do it here. Um, And remember, testimony, keep it brief, make it about the Lord. (laughs) Don't wander, don't give us all the backstory because we wanna hear from some people. But we'll say, wow, that was really good, thanks. Who else? Perfect. So I'll go first. Um, I remember when the Pulse shooting happened and we were in this space, like kind of like the next day or something, I don't know, just mourning and we had candles lined up for each of the people that were dying. Um, that was very special for me, That just to be able to have a place to mourn. But what was more important was that um, I, I was sitting in the front row and Ryan came to tell me something about the structure of what we were going to do or was talking or something. I don't know what it was. And I was a mess. And he just looked in my face and then he just started weeping with me. Like there was like nothing you could do. And there was a special moment that I felt like 
oh, I can, I can do that here. Like, this is a place where I can be mad at God and pray really mad prayers in front of everyone and um, be known in that way. So that was really special for me. I know for me this place is really special. Um, it, there's a lot of times where I've um, not been feeling well, I haven't been feeling my best, and, but the Lord has called me to come in um, and share the space, and and it was easy to listen, knowing, you know, that this place was here, that this is like a second home to me, and it's comfort, comfortable and comforting. Um, there's been times where I just wasn't really feeling well enough to sit up, but I knew that I could lay down in the library and listen to the service and then join in when I actually felt that, you know, um, felt better and it, and I'm I'm so thankful to this space for allowing me to do that and allowing us to do that. That's great. Thank you, Omar. When I moved back into uh, back to Orlando about three years ago, I uh, was going to different churches and I just felt at home here. And I eventually met my wife here as well. Um, so praise be to the Lord. I'm so thankful <laughs> for this community. When I first came here, oh, backstory, I guess. Um, I took like about a 15-year hiatus away from the church and everything. And I had so many wounds and so many just crazy little things in my head where whenever I'd go to another church, I would just be like, oh, this is why I can't really form relationships with Christians, and, you know, I'm just going to do my thing on my own and all this stuff. But anyway, my first time coming into City Beautiful Church, like, every single, like, ridiculous thing in my head was, like, put to rest and, like, completely um, validated or I know this sounds so silly, but like in my head, I was like, Christians don't care about the environment. They don't care about like animals, like all this crazy stuff. And like when I came in and you guys had like vegan options and then uh, Ryan was talking about like praying for the earth and being good stewards of the earth, I was just like, whoa, you know, it, God just completely smashed all of those, you know, crazy beliefs that I had in my head that was preventing me from fully giving my life to to being a part of a community and and uh, just so thankful for this church and I, I know that sounds so silly but that was what allowed me to open my heart and my life up 100% to to God so yeah <laughs> Um, I'm really grateful that Jenna and Omar spoke first because I had a thought. It wasn't a complete thought, and then they spoke, and I realized I had a complete thought, and that's great. Um, the past couple of years, even pre-COVID, for me, have been full of disappointment. And I thought one of the ways to combat that disappointment was to move to Nashville or Seattle or somewhere else and run away from said disappointment. And when... Um, I've been put in really emotionally dangerous situations at the church where challenge is mainly meant as a way to be superior over the person being challenged and to say, well, if you do this, you're not really a follower of Jesus. And a friend of mine challenged me on this and I panicked internally because I realized, well, this is the end of my days here at City Beautiful Church. It was nice to know you all. Bye. And then... This friend, when she called me out on it, 
it wasn't in terms of superiority. It wasn't in terms of anger and self-righteous judgment. It was actually a means of care and concern about you and about me. I'm trying to avoid the you statements. And that was one of the moments where I realized that I wanted to stay here. And of course, it's not been easy. COVID happened and everything else happened after that too. But being safe to be challenged and being challenged in a safe way that didn't diminish my legitimate disappointments because like they were super legitimate disappointments um, but ultimately it's the difference is love and I'm not perfect and I'm still not there yet but learning how to be loved and receive lo unconditional self-sacrificing love and learning how to love myself in a self-sacrificing sort of way. Like Janae had said a couple of years ago, like I love myself enough to be uncomfortable and here's where I can be uncomfortable safely. That's good. Um, so this building has actually, I've kind of come and gone uh, long before I actually started coming here in 2019. Um, the first time I ever came to this building, it was when there was this massive table spread out in the center and there was all of these ropes going through everything and it, it, the lights got completely shut off and we meditated and then we tied stuff up on the string and we put flowers into a vase and it was unlike anything I'd ever experienced before and it took me a while to come back here because I was just too hurt from my last experience at church I had given my all into a community and I felt like when I looked at it at the end I, I was just left with nothing and very similar to your story, like the two years I didn't go to church, I was like, why are we not? I don't know, like I felt like God was speaking to me and I, I felt like I, I wasn't sure if it was real or not because I was like, well, I'm supposed to be in church. Clearly I can't be having revelations outside of the church. Like I must be doing something wrong. And then I came to this church and just every message that Ryan, that you preached was just confirmation of these two years of all of these things that I had in my head that I was like, this clearly can't be from God because it's like, it wasn't, it came from me, like the capability like that was spoken about before and like thinking like a Christian. And so um, this community has changed me. Um, and I'm thankful for that because Jackie, like what you were saying too, like, just being able to receive that unconditional love and being around you guys and being in the local global team and being in the book club that Nicole put on. Like, I love this community so much and I love that we can show up exactly how we are and we don't have to come in here with any pretense. And so I love every single one of you guys and I love this church and I love this building. Whenever I came here um, four years ago, I came here feeling completely broken And this community helped rebuild me. This community helped me to recenter on my first love of Jesus. And I feel like that this community uh, built me and helped me grow into areas that I would have never imagined stepping in, stepping into preaching and teaching, um, something that I never really <laughs> Envision, but well, Ryan, you're a pastor's kid. You had it was <laughs> But Ryan and our leadership had faith in me and trust in me, 
And having that trust helped me to trust God to rebuild me and take me to that next level of who Nicole is. I never really tried to figure out who Nicole was. But I remember one service, whenever we stopped and meditated, and you said, feel the arms of Jesus around you. Let him hold you. And it was the most visceral moment, one of the most visceral moments in my life, whenever I could just feel Jesus in this room hold me tightly. And in that moment, I knew I was right where I was supposed to be. This was my church family. I was going to be on the front row or close to the front row. This is where I was. This is my community, and I'm going to grow into who he wants me to be as not Nicole, not a marketer, not this super successful boss, you know, like all of those things, super three energy. But I was going to be Nicole, a child of God, right how he wanted to use me and when he wanted to use me. And that happened here in this community. Rebuilt me. So since the community is not ending, but the place, I'm going to focus in on our physical space. And this has been such a sweet space for me. Putting this platform up, <laughs> building the tech booth, putting together so much of this stuff here to create places, to have the opportunity with so many of you to um, be as creative as we wanted to be and to fight with the building itself, like curtains falling down all the time to try to create the light and figuring out how to light the stage and all of those things having the freedom to have a space where we could do that and we could explore and we could have a huge table with ropes coming down so that people could have those spaces has been um, a really special season in this church but also for sure for me in my life as a child of God to be able to figure out what it looks like to worship in different ways that maybe is kind of the normal church. Um, and to have a physical place that let us do that has been really, really sweet. And um, being in here has a lot of ghosts, for sure. But it has so many sweet memories. Like, I wish we could just spend hours, like, rethinking through all of the celebrations. I was driving up and remembering the one where we had, where we started on the roof and we set things on fire. <laughs> I mean, no, we didn't do that. Uh, no, that, it was <laughs> that, that never happened. <laughs> and then we, like, walked down and came through this door and did stuff in all the corners. And, like, we've just had, we've literally used every corner of this space to worship God and to be together. And that has been sweet and special. And I want to remember that. So um, I walked in this church about two and a half years ago and um, I was taken aback because I had asked God for many years to send me to a ministry that had a lot of creativity. And I had left a huge mega church and my heart was broken when it disbanded. And when I walked in here, I said, I wanted So I end up in the tech booth. Few times, thanks to Stacy and everyone who supported me, I was nervous up there, and there was times when the lights weren't supposed to be on and they were on, and why you would just kind of twitch. <laughs> but you know, the thing that God revealed to me is that 
I was loved in this church. I was cared for. I had an opportunity to go on two mission trips. And I remember my second service here, I was like, wow, because they had just come back from a mission trip. And I was like, I didn't feel qualified. I didn't feel like I was good enough to go to a mission trip. What did that involve? And when I had the opportunity to go and grow with the people I went with, and it's just been such a healing, cathartic place for me to be loved in a way that I never thought I could be loved by a church. And so for me, this building means a lot to me because I lived only two blocks away from it and I did not come until like two years after I lived there. But God knew what he was doing at that moment. And you'll always be my captain. Hey, um, I'm Johnny. Um, I can't remember when I started this church, but I remember you had a bee colony like in the back and there was like a series going on. I was a little nervous about coming. Um, no, not because of the bees. Um, I hadn't been in a church in over 30 years. Um, pretty much I lived my life without God. Um, I, I didn't grow up in like a Christian family and I didn't have like I felt a little bit on the outside because I didn't have a lot of that like stuff that a lot of you guys grew up with um, and I had a lot of false narratives about God that kept me from seeking him as a solution when I came I, I, I ended up coming to God through an NA meeting because I was desperate and I needed some help and uh, he came in and he did a lot of great things in my life great miracle getting me off drugs bigger miracle opening my eyes to who Jesus was and when I walked in here I I didn't really have that concept and that developed in this building my faith developed in relationships I had with the people who were here in this building I brought an NA meeting into here some of those people started to come to this church some didn't whether they did or didn't this building facilitated miracles in the lives of individuals constantly almost every week um, there were other recovery groups that came here I got to develop my faith here and it's it, it, it's it's very very special to me for that God saved my life worked a miracle and I watched and got to participate in the miracles in other people's lives here which made my faith even more special. So, um, my first time that I came here was just after the Pulse Night happened. And when I walked in here, there was a, you know, a lot of grieving going on, which I was very not used to seeing in the church because, one, I didn't ever come from any type of church background where it felt like there was a true... Uh, desire to connect not just with the community at large, but for those that um, have been ostracized from the church community for so long. And being in a church environment that continually tries to um, break down the old and embrace the chaos of the new um, is something that's very daring and that I appreciate about this church because it breaks apart old traditions that say, you know, you're with us if you are XYZ, you're not if you don't abide by any of those. And just being part of a community where it feels like 
um, the more that a person is willing to admit their own brokenness and their need for Jesus, the more connected they end up being in this church. And I think uh, the community here having a willingness to embrace that, I think, makes it um, as great as what it is and what I think it will continue to be. Um, it's also not like most churches, as in they don't pass out uh, champagne flutes, which that's pretty cool. It's non-alcoholic. We're, we're okay. But it's also been a place to kind of embrace uh, new ideas of God that I had not thought about before. And that it says that it's okay to tear down the ways that we, especially I, conceive God to be, that he's not necessarily a God of rigid, brow-beating nature, but that he's one of a more poetic love, where there's a poetry that he has to life. Um, the last time that I held a champagne flute was uh, at my own wedding about two-ish years ago, and it's funny that the next time I'm holding it is for a funeral for a building, so I think there's... I think there's just a strange um, poetry in that, that I think if I'm able to stop and look closely, thanks to this community, I'm able to see the little smile that God has the whole while and saying, you know, it's going to be okay. Um, today is my actual first visiting day, and I want to say that it, I was a little worried. I was like, okay, we have to wear black. Um, it's dark. <laughs> It, it's dark Should we here. all do white next week? I don't know. <laughs> but I, I just want to say, I, I felt terribly guilty for even thinking about coming to another church. I've been a part of a church for a really long time. I mean, embedded, worship team, um, tech team, everything. And, and I, I drove here today, like, nervous. Like, Jesus, like, am I supposed to leave my church? Or even having the fear of ha wanting something different. Um, and I have to say that... I was so thankful for your words because I don't do this. I definitely won't go on the mic like this and talk about any myself. But your words of being, just because we, we love Jesus and we walk with him on a daily basis doesn't mean we're always happy. And that really hit me today. But I also want to say that I just love the fact that I've been watching you guys for two months online. And then I finally reached out to Mitch to find out you know, like, how was it? And then I was just so welcome. Lloyd immediately responded to me online. Then I had charity, and I'm, I'm just so thankful that that fear that I came here is, I'm like, wow, this feels good. So I just, I, I just needed to let you know that. <laughs> My name is Mitch. Um, the church that I went to before this was quite large. Uh, I do love the pastor of that church. Um, I, I love the worship at that church, but I never found um, a sense of family and a sense of community. And that's something that me and my wife were searching for when we were introduced to City Beautiful. And the love and acceptance that we have gotten here from my now family um, has been unbelievable. You know. This church inspires me to be better, to forget old ideas, um, and to strive to be just a better human being. You know, you people are amazing. All of you. I love you.
Pastor. Yeah, I'm calling you out. This has been your space as much as it has yeah, been ours. I, I was trying not to make this about me. Um, but I, sitting there in the corner, I was thinking, I was like, man, this building in the short, I'll say like six months, seven months, like uh, right after COVID, we're a church plant. My wife and I pastor a church, and uh, we started the church six months before the world quit. Um, so we were like, what do we do if you launch a church and then you're not allowed to be together? And the space that we were meeting in, like many churches in the air, they lost their space. And I think I was just talking to Ryan on the phone while I was cleaning out that building. And he's like, what are you doing? He's like, you sound out of breath. I was like, I'm cleaning, I'm moving. And, you know, we lost our space. He's like, oh, okay, move your stuff into our space. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, that doesn't happen. Um, I don't know if you guys noticed or not, but sometimes churches aren't always so nice. Um, maybe that's been your experience. Question one, your page might be as full as mine. Um, <laughs> disappointment, let me tell you about. Uh, so I, I think I wasn't ready for that. And then you move into spaces, and, and being Latino, sometimes you move into somebody's space, and I didn't want to touch anything. It was like, no, I don't want to touch that. Hey, is it okay if I move this? And Brian's like, just do whatever you want to do in the space. Okay, cool. And while this building, and that's what we're talking about, like that my sis put it in context, your community's not stopping here, guys. Like you're moving your community to a new season. That's part of what I'm sure we're about to get into. But it is important to hold the space for this and for our small community of my predominantly 18 to 35 brown and black folks. This has been really important for us. This was the first time we came in. I remember when my, when my students walked in, they were like, dang, pastor. We got a spot spot. <laughs> and I, said, I said, it's not ours. Don't touch that. Um, <laughs> I said, put that down. And they're, no, they're they letting us in, in. I'm like, yeah, we're in, in. And so we might show up to the science center and, uh, <laughs> and make, make a mess there. But I just want to say thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, you know, Ryan stuck with me anyway, like many of you guys are. But this space was special to our community as well. So thank you for 1220. Ted, you finish this out. Um, I'm Ted Neesmith, and, and I've had the privilege of being a part of City Beautiful Church since its inception. And You know, we do call this facility church, but, Ryan, the reason people come and keep coming back is because of the truth of God's Word that you tell us about every week. And it doesn't matter if we're doing that here or we're doing that at the Science Center. So, brother, thank you for uh, being who you are and what you are. Thanks, Ted. It's not my funeral. <laughs> not yet. Not yet, but I'm real excited to hear what you have to say at my actual funeral. <sighs> I want everybody to stand and uh, grab your flute. Um, it's, uh, this, I'm going to sing a song that's a traditional uh, Irish song that's sung at wakes, and it's sung from the perspective of the deceased. So in a, in a wake, what you would do as opposed to the funeral is you take the body and you'd lay it out in the middle of the pub. Sounds great. And you just put shots on top of the body and you, you drink a lot and you tell a lot of stories about the dearly departed. And then the next day you get real sad and you put them in the ground. And um, uh, this song is written from the perspective of the deceased. 
So I'm gonna sing it um, almost from the perspective of this building. And one of the things that I love about this song, written from the other side of the grave, is it goes, oh, this whole thing's about love. It's all about connection. That, like, if, if that's what we're here to do, life is not about happiness, life is not about success, life is about connection and it recontextualizes everything else. And I think that that's what this song uh, is to teach us. So if you know the words, you can sing along. Or you can close your eyes and just listen, and then we're gonna come to the table. Of all the money that e'er I had, I spent it in good company And all the harm that e'er I've done At last it was to none but me And of all I've done for want of wit to memory now I can't recall So fill to me the parting glass Good night and joy be to you all So fill to me the parting glass And drink a health whate'er befall then gently rise and softly call Good night and joy be to you all Of all the comrades that e'er I had They're sorry for my going away and all the sweethearts that e'er I had They'd wished me one more day to stay But since it fell into my lot That I should rise and you should not I'll gently rise and softly call Good night and joy be to you all So fill to me the parting glass And drink a health whate'er befalls Then gently rise and softly call Good night and joy be to you all. Let's sing that one more time. So fill to me the parting glass and drink a health whate'er befalls. Then gently rise and softly call. Good night and joy be to you all. Slancha. So 
So at your leisure during worship, I'm gonna invite you to the table. And I want you to bring all of your disappointments, quite literally bring those disappointments with you. I want you to roll them up in a little ball. And there's a basket at each side because you're handing those over to Jesus. You're leaving them here and I'm gonna take them out back and I'm gonna burn them after this. And I want you to bring all your celebration, all your stories, all your memories, what this place is meaning to you and to lay it on the table because all that belongs to Jesus as well. And so I'm gonna pray, come forward to the table and we'll worship. And so Heavenly Father, we thank you for the past five and a half years that we've been gifted with this space. It has shaped us, it's formed us. We have seen life, we have seen death, and we have seen resurrection. And Lord, even now as we come to your table, we bring all of that with us. We bring all of our past and we lay it at your feet. We bring this present moment and we lay it at your feet. And we bring our future wherever we may go, may it be because we are following in your footsteps and we lay that at your feet. So may the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ with us forevermore. Amen. Let's come to the table. This has been the City Beautiful Church podcast. To stay connected, follow us on social everywhere at City Beautiful CH. We hope you join us again soon.